0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. I hope that everything and everyone is okay and that this finds you in a pleasant and a good mood today. In today's episode I have the privilege to have a special guest and it's Andy Bromley on the show. He's the marketing manager at Ingram Content Group, and he's also the head of marketing for Europe, Asia, Australia, and the United Kingdom. He's also part of the Ingram Spark Group, and he helps indie authors get their print books out through the Ingram network. And I have to say that Andy has been a real source of inspiration and help for me. And it's really because of him and all his wonderful advice that I actually started this podcast. So anyone who's interested in publishing a book, this is going to be Absolutely a treasure because Andy is going to give some invaluable advice. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Andy. Hi Andy. Oh hi Mimi. Hi, how are you?
1: I'm good and thank you for the very kind introduction.
0: Oh, it's well deserved, well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> how have you been? We've been yeah, really busy, very busy as you'd expect. Um
1: there's been uh, business uh, busy for different reasons in the last uh, few weeks with uh, what's going on in, on in the world but mm-hmm. the um the main thing is that the keeping the supply chain of books open um a lot of the uh, traditional wholesalers in the market have had real challenges getting books out so um with our well, i guess we'll talk later with us offering more digital solutions with mm-hmm. print on demand we've been able to keep um the business going which means that we've been having conversations with people and publishers um new to us that that um are using us as a way of keeping their their content into the uh into the supply chain so you know the larger retailers like like Amazon and uh, the Book Depository can still can still buy their books. So yeah, it's been, it's been really busy.
0: So you are an expert, as I said, in your field, and if you would like to share a little bit about what you do and your company, because I'm sure so many people out there will be so interested in this.
1: Yeah, so I mean to cut a long story short uh, ingram has uh, been involved in in the distribution of books for uh, many years um you know going back to the very early 60s um it's it was founded by uh, the ingram family it's still with ingram today so it, it's remained not the course through that time and really um the 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 company pioneered um, a technology that's, that's not always known, but it's becoming far more known today. Mm-hmm. Called print on demand, where essentially um, it allows publishers and you know individual authors to write a book or to create a, to create a book, um, hold it within the, our system. And we can sell it to, uh, you know, Waterstones or Amazon or, or or any retailer really that that would buy from us. And then we print it on demand. We take the, the the fee for printing the book, and we we take the retail price that the publisher or the author sets. And then we kind of then we return what's left over back to the publisher or or the author. And this technology. Um, Although it's been around for quite a while, it's becoming far more common for publishers to use it. Um, Because the traditional model would be a publisher having to print, you know, anything up to like five thousand copies of a book, put them in warehouses, then then try and sell them to retailers. And if they can't sell them for whatever reason, then many publishers would have to pulp and get rid of the stock. And then you've tied all your your money up into into bulk inventory because you've got them ready, waiting for customers. And really, the model that Ingram Spark um, and, and Ingram pioneered was this ability to, to to sell books without the need to hold, you know, hundreds or in some cases thousands of books, um, you know, in a warehouse. So we do printed books. And e-books, um, and um, you know there are there are other services that authors can can explore, such as audio books are becoming very very popular now, and um, a really strong area in the business of growth uh, is audio books. So, you know, the, the for the individual, what we would call the author authorpreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know that their options are so much broader than they would have been 20 25 years ago where you had to get a deal with a with a big publishing house and if you couldn't get a contract then you couldn't get published but you know in today's world um, authors don't need necessarily to go through a middleman publisher they can do it themselves and um, so you know anyone who wants who's got a story to share um has that opportunity now to do so.
0: So it's a greater freedom for people now, especially authors or anyone really who would like, as you say, to self-publish their stories. So how do they go about doing that, um, Andy? So there's, there's, there's
1: various um, routes to, to doing
0: it. Um, uh, one of the organisations that I always recommend uh, for people who are new to this um, is a it's a non profit
1: um, association uh, called the Alliance of Independent Authors, mm-hmm. um, uh, and they they there is a membership fee for that. Um, but as I said, it's a non profit association, and they will really help kind of authors who are who are new to the industry to kind of understand some of the steps. And they have like a, a Facebook forum where you can ask for advice and. But the main the main thing is is not so much producing the book um, because our, we have tools, for example, to help authors do that in in Ingram Spark. But it's more understanding the industry, how the market works, and the marketing actually is is a really is a really challenging bit for for new authors to to kind of get around. So. Of course, people can just upload their book if they feel they've got a story, but I think sometimes it's worth um, spending a few months um, learning about the industry. And, and an organisation like Ally is a great place to start because that will help you understand all your different kind of options available and, and the learning uh, will, will be so much more um accessible to and uh, 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 quick to kind of digest in a in an organization that kind of has been set up for that purpose than, than you know, scowling the internet to try and find, you know, information. Because there is a little bit of jargon to kind of understand, but it's not, you know, it's not too difficult. But actually, by understanding it first, that helps often in the long term of, of, of being a successful author, if that's kind of one of the things that
0: people want to pursue. And marketing is something obviously that's important and it's something that you are an expert in. What sort of things should people look to do when they're researching? Once they've written their book, for example, what's the next step for them?
1: Yeah, so to some degree, a lot of the marketing will, will, will be dependent on the type of book that you're, you're writing. So obviously, if it's like an academic and professional book, you know, in a specialist area, that's going to require a different approach than if it's a trade book or a children's book. But the, the general rule of thumb, and, and I think this is sometimes where authors sometimes get unstuck at the beginning, is they often think about the retailer. So they'll think about what do Waterstones or what do Amazon care about? And they're really successful to understand that actually in most cases, a, a retailer is only often reacting to the demand of the of the customer. So the, the authors that tend to do well are the ones that really generate their marketing in a way that connects with the end reader. So not not the person who might be buying the book, which could be, um, you know, Amazon, for example. But ultimately, who is going to be the end customer? Who's going to be the reader? So, you know, some stories of some success stories I know would be: uh, we had a, uh, an author who did poetry, mm-hmm. and he used um, Instagram and he used social media as a way of giving away individual poems and getting his name shared and. Um, Engaged across the social media community, but then people have the opportunity to buy the book once they, you know, got to know the author and they got to appreciate his poems because they wanted to read more of his poems, and obviously that led to the the, uh, an opportunity for him to sell the book. So, what I would say for most successful authors, one of the things they have in common Mm -hmm. is they know that. Sometimes you have to give things away in order to attract people in. Because if you're new to the industry, if you're if you're, if you're a new author and you haven't got a brand name, so you're not, I don't know, David Walliams or J.K. Rowling, mm. then you have to understand that there has to be some means or mechanism of a of, of people finding you and understanding who you are. So, a lot of the successful authors will run you know, free YouTube, or they might even give away chapters of their book. In some cases, they might give away their first book as a way of hooking people in and then people buying the second book. Um, Now, if you spent years writing the first book, that could be a daunting thing, but you don't necessarily have to give the book away. You could be giving chapters away. You could be doing readings online through youtube you could have a podcast like like nimi you're doing today You yes, could, yes. Um, you could for example do um, if you know if you, you don't always have to think globally it could be that you, you if you've you've written a children's book um you might offer to do a reading in in the primary school or in the local library or in some cases a local bookstore if they've got an active community in the and in, and in, and you know, all not all bookstores are are as engaging with these ideas as the others, but many will would love the fact that, you know, an author could do a a reading in the local library or in the local bookstore or in the local school. So often think kind of laterally and almost um, you know ultimately you want to sell your if it's a physical book or an audio book or
2: mm. an e-book.
1: But often, if you're not known, it it requires you to give something out, like give a reason for people to engage with you. And often that requires some kind of, what's known in the industry as a freemium model where some of the things that you do, you don't charge for. So that could be a, a YouTube a channel, for example. Mm-hmm. But as people learn about who you are and are attracted by the content that you produce, then there will always be people who who, who want to know more and and, and are willing to pay um, to to learn more about you as as an author, um, you know, in your venture. But it, it, it a lot of it, it it is down to the types of content that you're um, creating. So. We know, for example, in children's books, it's still very much a print paradigm. Most publishers still make most of their money through uh, the printed book, for example, where like a lot of romance and uh, thrillers are much more uh, moving towards ebooks as a, as a form of delivery. So, and, and equally the, the kind of audience that might want thriller books might be looking in different places than those that want a children's book um, and equally we, we we've had really successful authors who um their business mo- model is um doing school visits if, if they're a children's author and doing um talks and, and 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 almost mini productions of their of their book with the children um but they know but by by doing that they are marketing their personal brand to that, to that school and, and, and the parents would often purchase the book either before the author would visit the school or, or after but that's just one example um, you know you have to it, it's, it, it, almost if anyone's looking at, look, looking at uh, what the best method is, is to look at some of the more successful people in your genre and look at what they're doing to get some ideas of where you might want to start
0: So it's a lot of research and you have to have an open mind and look to, as you say, other people, what they are doing. It's not about, I have a lot of people say to me, well, you've written books and I've got to write a book, but I've only made a pound on Amazon and mostly they're in it for the money. But it's not all about that, is it, Andy? It's not as simple as that. I I write a book, I put it on Amazon or I come to Ingram's and we make lots of money. But people seem to think that selling books is a huge profit straight away.
1: Yeah, I think that, that's true. I think really that the, the, the successful authors, really successful authors tend to fall in. They, they tend to have two things in common the first one is they they, they, they play the long what the long go, the long game if you like so they're not ultimately focused on making the short term um, money from I don't know selling 10,000 copies in, in 6 months because mm. that really happens what they do is they'll build their audience through different avenues whether that's social whether that's facebook um through YouTube, through podcasts, through visiting local communities to get their name out. Mm. So that's often content that they're producing with no direct financial return. But what they're doing is effectively building and finding their community. they're finding their audience. So once you've found your audience, then it's a lot easier to monetize. You know, to 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 offer services like. The book, or the audio book, or the e-book, uh, or in some cases, you know, consultations, or um, which which they would be willing to pay for, um, but they wouldn't. You would never have the opportunity if you didn't build that um, that audience or engagement first. The second thing, a lot of the really successful authors do that are independently published, and you know, the top one percent. Mm-hmm. Or they they don't think in terms of one thing. They'll have multiple income streams. So, if anyone wants to Google the name
0: Joanna Penn, for example, Joanna Penn is a is a perfect example. She has so many wonderful things, doesn't she? Online,
1: she does. Yes, as a as a model, she's a great example. So she'll have a a, she'll have a books for telling uh, for helping authors to. Uh, be successful in their publishing. She'll also have a different pen name for a kind of fiction work, and then she'll also maybe do YouTube videos of services that help publishers. But she'll often have a link, and if you click on that link, that, that whatever service that she's uh, promoting or, or talking about, and she's very upfront. At the beginning, she'll say, I am I am an affiliate of this organization. Mm-hmm. And then that organization will pay her a percentage of customers who click on that link.
0: For example, so, and what, I, Andy, what uh, organi- organization would that be, for example? So, so, uh, so uh, a good
1: example would be I followed um, Joanna Penn quite recently, actually. I was looking at um, building a publishing website. So she was talking about a hosting service called Bluehost uh, I think it's yeah Bluehost, which is a, a way of hosting your uh, your web content so many many companies provide these services, but she was talking about this one company that she uses herself and she was very upfront that she's she's a she has an affiliate to this organization so if you do want to use their services, click on her link below and she gets paid a percentage so there'll be so. with joanna as one example she'll make you know revenue from selling her books she'll make revenue from selling maybe audio books or ebooks she'll make revenue from you know her youtube channel because some it may be that she'll talk about a service that she's used and you can talk about with some authority and then people who want to take that service on then you know if they click on the link she'll get a certain amount and then she does, um, in this particular example, because every, every author is going to be different, she will, she usually, um, she does uh, public speaking, so, because she's so, so well known now, so well known now in the industry for helping authors, when it comes to things like um, publishing events, some people will pay her to, to talk for an hour on on, you know, how to be a successful author, for example, so... She's a really good example because if you look at her portfolio of income yeah. she's not relying on one source she's not relying on on all the books that she sells on Amazon because that's only one portion of what she makes um there'll be other areas like that she'll make you know so i guess what the the reason why this is um Important is it kind of illustrates the breadth of what a successful author looks like. They often don't look at just one area like printed book sales. they'll look at their whole holistic brand that they that they could represent and and the kind of things that they can do to engage with their audience and that's really the key thing and that's that's initially probably not where you would make any financial gain. But once you've got an audience that actually wants to listen to what you say, even if they're not paying to do so, then there'll always be a percentage of people who will pay for some additional information or a new way of delivering the information. So she may so Joanna Penn's a good example. She talks very openly and freely mm-hmm. about how to market a book on, on YouTube. You can just watch the YouTube videos. And you can probably get, I don't know, 50, 70% of the value just by watching the YouTube videos, not paying anything. But like, for example, I bought her book and, and I'm in marketing and she wrote a book on how to market books. I thought, well, I could learn something. Yes. And I bought the, and I, and I bought the book. Mm. Now, it might be only 10% more in the book than maybe what I could have achieved by just watching the YouTube videos. but that's not the point and the point is that there'll be people like myself in this case will always pay to have the information either delivered in a different way or in some cases with new information so any author would always say look the main thing the hardest thing but the the, the thing that, that doesn't shouldn't really cost you any money is do things for free like this this idea of freemium so giving your content away whether it's doing a YouTube video, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, build your audience first. And then once you've got the audience, there'll always be a small percentage that will pay for things that are related to what you're talking about or what you're involved in. Um, And it could be that you're delivering similar content in a book format or in an audio book format or... It could be that you offer consultation services if you're in the professional services sector. Um, so, for example, we, you know, we we've got um, authors that don't really make the money from the book. They might write a book about um, a problem that they're solving, and then they 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 sell their consultation for um, for, for 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 what that is. Uh, an extreme example would be one that we found a few years ago. Um, a, a guy in uh, in uh, Los Angeles. He, he he was the person that people go to if they want to set up a plastic
0: surgery. Right. So okay. He, he he wrote a book on how to um, how to launch successful plastic surgery <laughs> practice
1: in, in Los Angeles. Why not? Why now, not? Yeah, now his his particular book. Um, with us cost ten thousand uh, dollars, and um, and people bought and some people did buy the book. Now, not now, it wasn't a, a bestseller, but it it shows you that it, it, in this particular example he was an expert in a very very lucrative but a small niche, and because he knew this niche really well, mm. he could charge a. Very high premium for what he was um, delivering. Now, obviously, most people wouldn't be charging ten thousand dollars for their book, but it's an example of if you know your market and you're and you know your market well, and there's not many people who do.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: Then, you know, you you can charge a premium for the knowledge that you can pass on to uh, or, or the problem that you're trying to solve. So, really, I, I mean. It, if, if you're a non-trade publisher I would frame it as okay, what problem are you trying to solve for people, you know in this case, the problem was, I'm a plastic surgeon and I want to be a successful one, and this guy can help me, and and this is how much I would have to pay to get that knowledge now that's a, an extreme example but... Um,
0: and did he sell many of those books, Andy? He, he did, he,
1: he did but I think, <laughs> no, I think I think with his model, really, what he was doing was trying to get a... Um, his his
2: model was really that people would pay the $10,000 for his concert, for his time. And his book went with mm-hmm. his time. And he, just, he, he put such a high premium on the book because of the knowledge that he was able to give to the, his clients. Now, obviously, if you're a children's
1: author, it's not so much a problem, but the problem could be You have a really, you know, not the problem, but the issue is to entertain a a, a child or uh, by um, through through uh, through uh, a story. So, um, of course, there's lots of authors who've got stories to children. So then, the idea is, what makes your book um, stand out? So Mm -hmm. we met a really inspirational author at a book fair in Germany. I went to the Frankfurt Book Fair and...
0: Because um, you travel a lot, don't on, you, Andy? But we,
1: uh, I, 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 a fair bit. I mean, we've not, not too much, but it was at the Frankfurt Book Fair
0: yeah.
1: and I met an African-American woman who really said that um, the problem she found was that there's no really good stories for black children that are, that are inspirational. So she wrote one. So... She she identified a problem. She she said, "Well, the, the, there isn't the, the market isn't catering for positive role models for, for Black African American children or uh, African uh, children, uh, and, and 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 therefore I'm going to create a book that is an inspirational to- story for mm-hmm. uh, African American children." And, and she was very successful because she she saw that there was a problem that she could solve it. Um yeah. So,
0: so yeah yeah, um, it is an interesting point because I was talking to someone a few years ago about this niche market that you talk about, and I remember them saying to me that they knew somebody who had written a book about cutting vinyl for kitchen floors and for bathrooms, and his book actually outsold. Many of the books that um, they were, you know, it was a publisher that they had on their books. So it is about finding your niche and what you can do to help people. But also, it doesn't stop there, does it? It has to encompass you as an author, your skills as an author, would you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's, it's what you, what, what, it, what it what is it that you're trying to uh, service? You're trying to provide, or what problem are you trying to solve, and what makes your solution different? Unique, to what, or, unique. Yeah, I what suppose. makes you unique? So I, I'm thinking of when I was at Frankfurt, I met. Um, I didn't actually meet the lady herself; she was in America, but I met her son. And he um, was telling me that his mother um, has written a book about um, being a, a refugee in the war uh, because she was um, she was caught up in Germany in in the World War Two and she she was or uh, well, she still is she's German uh, so she's Jewish, mm-hmm.
2: which obviously during the war was a fairly precarious
1: time. So a, a whole story was um about her time um, during the 1930s as a jew in, in 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 germany and um he was telling me how um he was getting the book set up as a an audio uh, as an e-book and uh, that was an e because he had the printed book because she she used to do um visits to schools in america and she and he said that she'd been really successful because schools want to book her because uh to have a real his, historical person talking about this, this experience during World War II uh, really fascinated the children. Mm-hmm. But his, his, his issue was that she was now in her, I think she was in her late 80s, or, or she might even be in her 90s, because I think she was a child during the war. Um, And she's obviously, her mobility wasn't what it was 20 years ago, so he was looking at different ways of getting the book out into the market, which is why I happened to speak to him, um, and my instant response was that she got an audio book, and he went no, and said you need to get her to record an audio book because uh, that needs to be recorded as a as a as a, uh, as a moment in history. Mm. Um, now we hope, you know, I'm sure we all hope that she lives for many many years to come. But in in twenty years' time, there's not going to be that many people alive that was alive in the 1930s, so. You know that that's an example of somebody who had a story to tell, who were in it, who was in a very obviously in this case an unfortunate situation, uh, being you know a Jew in Germany in the 1950s. but that story is inspirational to people for many other reasons, and so I guess the point is what what made this woman inspirational apart from that she's you know very. Um, good good author is that she was she was in tragic circumstances that she was able to kind of tell a inspirational story and there'll be authors listening or would be or potential authors wanting to listen to this podcast that may may know of a situation they've been in and they can they can write an inspirational story or it could be that you know you've identified a problem or it's something you're not happy with so in the example of this African American um, lady, she was, you know, didn't, she, she was um, unhappy that, 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 that uh, African American children weren't being represented in children's books in a positive light. So she wrote the book, she so she fixed the problem as she saw it. So Sometimes it's a case of having an inspirational story. In some cases, it could be about you identify a problem that's not been um,
0: addressed or catered yes. for um, in the market, and therefore you've got the solution to it. And you must meet a lot of inspirational people, I, I would guess. Who inspires you or what inspires you as a person?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, you mentioned Ingram Spark, which is obviously a part of our business that does uh, that's catered more around authors. I think some of the authors that we've met and some I've t- spoke, spoken about are um, are kind of the more inspirational people I've met. I mean, um, a, a really good example of. of uh, 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 I think his name is Dominic Selwood, or Selwood, I think it is. He he writes for the Daily Telegraph. Um, And we met him in London uh, a few years ago, and he he wrote a trilogy about, it's a bit like a Dan Brown type um,
0: Mm -hmm. book.
1: The, the, The issue for the publishers is the book was 700 pages long, and they said, we want to sign you as an author, we want you on our books, we want want you to be uh, an author of our publishing house, but we want the book to be half the size of what it is today. It needs to be 350 pages. And he refused, so he he turned down the contract and he became self-published. And very, very successful. I mean, the book was called The Sword of Moses, I think it was called. It was an e-book that we did. Mm -hmm. And it was in the bestsellers for months and months and months. I think it was six months or more, I kept saying it, in the top ten bestsellers. Uh, Because he really, really, really believed strongly and passionately that, um, that, that not to compromise, he just believed in it. So
2: much that he turned down a contract with a publisher who would have probably paid him a handsome fee for the, for yes, the book. Yes, yes. Um, but he had to compromise. He had to compromise his artistic freedom, and he
1: refused to do that and did it himself and and became a success. So, I, I get inspired by those kind of people who uh, who really really believe in what they what they have to say and what they they do and they, and they make sacrifices. In order to achieve it. So, in this case, you know, this, this individual author went from turning down a lucrative publishing deal uh, because he refused to compromise his artistic uh, freedom, but he, he still made it work. And people like Joanna Penn, um, Joanna's really quite an inspirational um, uh, author and speaker, actually. And she, she was telling me, as uh, well, I don't know if she was, I think she was telling the audience, I'd have to. Be at one of her seminars and she was saying that you know I think she lost her job in 2008 in the financial crash and uh, she promised herself that from that day on she'll never work she'll never rely on a salary from an employer and she's going to do it herself and, and she's a, a real inspiration because from 2008 to where she is today she's a very very successful um, what she would describe as an entrepreneur um so what I is an
0: entrepreneur? You've mentioned that a couple of times, Andy. Um what is that?
1: Well I think people who describe themselves as an entrepreneur, obviously mm. the, the the preneur bit is a bit like the entrepreneur, but mm. they they see their their brand their, themselves as the brand really, like Joanna Penn is in many cases I think is is, is, is a brand in herself and 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 they don't restrict themselves to one thing. So that I mean that's really what I was talking about uh, a little bit earlier. Was that um, was um, you know it's very easy for authors just to think about the book, the physical book, being in I don't know a bookshop in Waterstones or in you know a local bookstore. Mm. But really, the, those that are successful think far more broadly. Realise that actually, it's not that individual one store that is going to make the difference. It's the whole kind of collective things that that individual can do to support their business. So, it you know, in Joanna Penn's case, she is the brand, she is effectively the business, but she's got multiple ways of driving that business. It could be through a YouTube engagement or audio books or. A e-books or printed books Mm. or public speaking. So she has probably six, seven different ways of monetizing her brand, which is her. And I think most authors who really are successful, especially if they're independently published, need to really kind of think of themselves as the business, as the brand, and think very laterally about how that brand can can work in in the market in which they're um they're catering for and, and you know there's no one set rule it's not like everyone should do a youtube video or everyone shouldn't do an audio book. Yeah. really by looking at some of the really successful people in the genres that you're interested in and, and even in some cases you know um areas outside your genres because you can borrow things from different genres you know different
0: models um, yeah different models
1: mm-hmm. you know there might be a, a person following a model in a totally different area than, than what you're pursuing or what you're writing in but the model would fit with what you're doing so you know i guess the, the point is, is is don't restrict your thinking to a single format or a single type or a single way of making income, especially if you're if you're if you're wanting to work um, to the point where you you it's your main source of income and you don't rely on a on a paycheck from an employer uh, like most of us and me included. Um, yes. Then you do need to think more laterally about how you generate that income because. Uh, the broader your base, then the more um, robust your business is, essentially.
0: As you always say to me, cast your net far and wide. And I always remember those words from you. And it it, it is very good advice. It's something that always stays in my mind. And is this... All of this that um, authors have to do that are self-published, if, for example... They were traditionally published. Is that something that the publisher would take care of? Is this only for people that are um, going to self-publish their book? Is this, or is this something as an author in general should be looking at? The advice that you have given,
1: uh, I, I, I'm, I almost certainly uh, it applies to both.
0: Um, mm. I mean, increasingly, um, publishers who sign
1: authors now are or increasingly looking at what their social media presence and value is—it's mm, uh, mm. almost being measured, if not more so than the content. Because um, the idea that you know the year, the, the the idea that um, some authors had, or maybe still have, that you write the manuscript, you send it to the publisher, and then they take care of everything else—is so divorced from reality these days yes. i mean unless you uh, unless you are the you know unless you are david williams or the j k Rowlands of the world mm. Rowland of the world then you're not going to be at the top of the marketing budget or the agenda item in that publishing mm. house so often the author drives the, the the business and the the more successful you are in that area the less relevant a traditional publisher is to you, but the more they want you so it's kind of a, you know that dichotomy is
2: the more yes the more the publisher wants you, the less you need them mm. Mm. because they want you because of your
1: value presence, and it's usually because you've got a large kind of social media following. Or if you look at, like, a lot of the top authors in the last kind of, you know, five, ten years in the charts, often be, have often been from celebrities, you know, people like, you know, David Williams or The Chef, Jamie Oliver.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's because they've built the brand before they've even written the book. So they're a publisher's dream because the brand has already been built. But if you can build your own brand on a micro level, I'm not talking about, you know, being the next David Williams although if you can achieve that, then they're more power to you. Yes. If you you can build your your brand in your niche or in the area that you're aspiring to be, then publishers will want to sign you as an author. But you may find, in the case of Dominic Selwood, Mm. with his uh, Sword of Moses book, you may decide that you don't want them. Um,
0: That's right. So that, that, That's right. You yeah, don't need them.
1: It, yeah, it, it's a dual. It's a. It's often the authors that that think of publishers as the. As the way of fixing all their problems beyond. Uh, writing the book. I mean that, that the biggest challenge. Um, an author faces is often not not always, and this is where it's difficult often that the authors that like writing uh, are usually quite introvert uh, personality wise they tend you know not all And this is just a stereotype but that they, they, they're often then the ones that struggle the most with the, the marketing so the ones that are really successful tend to be the ones that might know that they're introverts but they can be extroverts where they need to be, and Joanna Penny actually—I actually heard—I can say this because I've heard her say it—that she would say that if anyone heard her speak talking at an event, you would not think that she's an introvert. You would think she's an extrovert. She's an extremely good speaker. She's she comes across very well, very articulate. But she, as a type, she would describe herself as an introvert. But she knows that she has to wear many hats. When she's be when, when she's running her entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneurial business and one of them is to wear the the extrovert hat when you need to
2: um,
0: it's so, a necessity isn't it Andy because I know yeah. artists and aut- authors usually are the ones who are the most um, artistic and literate in that way but they have a deep fear of putting themselves out there and marketing themselves
1: yeah yes and really marketing you know marketing can sometimes come come across as some kind of like a dirty word that people are embarrassed to talk about publicly but really when you talk about marketing it's just the methods of finding your audience because if you've got something that people want to hear it's finding the right methods to get them to hear it. And then it's kind of working out in your business plan what things you need to do in order to make that audience, um, you know, pay for things like the printed book because obviously there's a cost to you, there's a cost for you to produce the book, there's a cost in your time to create your content. So, um it's not unreasonable to um, expect people to pay, you know, a certain amount of money to to, to read your e-books or to listen to your audiobook Or, you know, some authors will have a YouTube channel, but they'll have a Patreon account for those that really want to have unique content. You know, people will pay for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And, and marketing is really just like, you know, what I'm doing here today. To some degree, I'm, I'm talking about Ingram spot, but I'm, I'm talking more broadly mm. by, but by doing that people who've never heard of spot may think well I'll look them up and, and and then that's people who may not have engaged with spot but it's the same for anything you know if you if you want to become known in your area you need to have a way of communicating with your audience and really marketing is just that it's just finding the methods that connect your your content or your creative ideas or your, your problem, uh, your solution to the problem that you're trying to solve into the hands or the ears or the eyes of the people that you think would want to hear that message. And the great thing about social media is you can do that very inexpensively. You could you can push out a YouTube video for you know, next to nothing, really. And then that's a test, you know. If you if you can't get the audience, then go back to your message. Are you doing something wrong? Is it is there a real is there an audience for it? Maybe there maybe there is, but you need to tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you, you learn from from that that kind of experience, or whether actually there's a market for it. And it's good to know that now, while you're doing things that are relatively inexpensive, than to do it later when you've invested, you know. Thousands of pounds in marketing, so you, you know, you can do lots of social media, um, you know, paid ads for example on Facebook and, and things like that. But really, I would test the market with your free content, um, first
0: to keep um, your foot then, in the water a little bit,
1: yeah, and learn, mm. learn, learn from that, and then, and then you know, only then spend money when. When you feel you've got something to gain from it, I mean, uh, and, and everybody has different budgets. I mean, you know, there's some people. You know, I, again, um, on a on a um, uh, an, a publishing event that I attended a few years ago, I went to a. It's quite. I can't remember the the, the establishment. is it is from the price of the of the beer and wine it was a very expensive one and i I met (laughs) a guy a a guy there who was um a financial investor in the city and he clearly you know money from the
2: book was not his motivation Mm. and you know he wrote a book about i can't remember
1: what the book was about i think it was a thriller or a non Mm. it was a, a fiction book of some sort um his motivation was not making money from the book. He, he just wanted to write a book. So you know, for that individual, spending that a few thousand pounds on marketing a paid advert is fine. He he, he can absorb that, that that expenditure. Most people are not in that position. So it, it, it's, it's tailor, it's kind of tailoring it to to your. Your needs and your budget, because everyone's different,
0: and your circumstance, I suppose.
1: And yeah, and your circumstances, mm. and what you're trying to achieve from it. Mm. I mean, mm. this individual—I I could be wrong, but I didn't get the impression that he would—he measured the success from from the, the money he got back. I think he measured it. He would probably have measured his success from the people, how many people read it, and you know, you know, or how many people engaged with his yes. uh, blog. Mm. Or, you know, whichever
0: it is. Um, Now, Andy, you are successful in your career. I know, and I know we talked about this, and I know you were doing an MBA, and you've just finished an MBA, haven't you?
1: I have, yeah,
0: yeah, thankfully. Yes, and what was was that in?
1: So it was a general... So, uh, as a general master's in business, uh, administration. So he's basically, I, you know, when I went to university years and years ago, I didn't do a, a business degree. It was a social, it was a, one of the more broader social sciences. And it was just a grounding in, 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 you know, some of the fundamentals of, of, you know, uh, business organization, finance, and, and marketing, which I've been doing for some years. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, like most people, you, you, you study subjects that, that you might not be passionate about, but actually from a career perspective... It helps. It, it, really, it helps. And, and, mm. and actually translating that to entrepreneurs, you'll find actually, you'll come across things that you're stuck on, you know, like how do you set up a Patreon account or how do you do a YouTube video? Mm. and there's an abundance of free material on YouTube and, and things that will teach you how to do it. So, that, that, I mean, what I would say is become a student if you want to be an author, and that's why I recommend joining an organisation like the Alliance of Independent Authors. But um,
0: They're an excellent organisation. I, know, um, I yeah, know them and but, they are but, very but, good.
1: Yeah, just be prepared to learn because there'll be things mm. that you come across that you won't know how to do it. But there will be a, a video somewhere or a, a blog or a bit of advice from another member of Ally that will help you get around it. And, and you know, and that might take a few weeks. It, it might, it may take a few months if it's a really difficult skill that you have to overcome. But just approach it like you're a student again and you, you will need to learn new things
0: as you, you know, venture into new, new areas. Thank you, Andy. And, you know, drawing this episode, it's, it's so wonderful. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on. It's really such a source of information, as I said, and treasure. And what would you, what advice, you know, finishing off, what advice would you give to people out there that's um, helped you uh, in your life?
1: Yeah, I, I just think the main thing is um, that's a good a good question. I think what what the answer should be. I, I think you know, you know, think about what it is you you want to do. It, it, it may not be writing a book, and that that's fine. Um, but um, the main thing I think is just think as broadly and as widely as possible. Um, I mean, often. When we're developing ideas um, in a working environment, what I often find is try not to go in with any preconceptions. So start with a blank piece of paper and invite people who think differently to you because it'll bring ideas that you wouldn't naturally come across. So we've all got different types. Some people are more logically minded. Some people are more... Yes,
0: that's right.
1: ...kind of artistic minded, Mm. but... Um, you know, one of the things I found from from my from doing my course, when we do a lot of project work, is you find that what I found really easy, somebody found really difficult, and what I found really difficult, other people found really easy. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not in a working environment maybe invite family and friends and go this is a lot and, and you could have it as a social maybe invite people and bribe them with some nibbles and drinks and say look i've got an idea <laughs> i don't know whether it's going to go yeah let's get a blank piece of paper i'm just going to write things down and give me your ideas and then you'll get a, an ideas board and then you can decide on whether you you know you want to pursue that thing it might be um it might be a it might not be a book maybe in a different area of artistic expression. It could be writing a song. It could be learning how to play a guitar. It could be it could be something that doesn't generate monetary reward, and that is fine. Um, but uh, invite other people in on your ideas, and you'll probably find that it, it, the ideas has got much more breadth to it than you would do if you just thought of it individually on your own.
0: So we always have to see that there's always something new to learn. And although people think sometimes, you know, we can be experts in a subject, but we can all, you know, life's a a journey about learning. And there's so many people that can teach us and we can teach them. And that's one of the beautiful things about, um, as you said, inviting people into your circle, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think the main thing, the other thing is don't, and it's harder, and it's very hard for me to follow my own advice, but don't be afraid to make mistakes. And ask yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Yes. I mean, clearly don't
0: invest £10,000 into something if you haven't got £10,000. Yes, to, to, to good, advice. But, good advice,
1: good yeah. advice. Yes. But, but, but if it's not mm. a huge financial commitment mm. um, and you're trying something that could go wrong and it's, a, and, you know... It, Ask yourself, Mm. what's the worst that can happen? So you you might think you've got an idea to write a children's book Mm. and and maybe you don't sell lots of copies. What's the worst that's happened? You've not sold lots of copies. I mean, provided you haven't remortgaged the house to spend on a Mm. six-figure advertising campaign, then you're fine. You've (laughs) You've just done something that very few people would have ever done. You've written a book. And it's not had the overnight success that you wanted to, but it may be that it leads to something else. that does become a success. So brilliant advice, find, brilliant. Yeah, often you find, often you find, yeah. I find with people who've really made it, it's not their first attempt. It's often like their sixth or seventh or yes, eight. keep trying. And the other thing, yeah, and all the other things failed, but they just kept going, and that's really and the difference between success and failure is that these really exceptional 1%, I often find they just keep going and they don't give up. And that tends to be the thing that makes them stand out as exceptional, not the fact that, that they might have an exceptional skill. Other than that skill being they just don't give up.
0: Thank you very much, Andy. You know, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for everything. And I can safely say that you are an expert who has helped many people including myself and if people want to look because we're running out of time they all they have to do is to go onto the ingram site do they
1: yeah they can yeah look at ingram spark have a look at some of the features Mm -hmm. again um uh, we we, a non-profit organization like the alliance of independent authors Mm -hmm. They can give you in, independent advice as well. They can recommend other services, so yeah. you can compare and contrast. Brilliant. That with what, you know, so, mm. you know, again, think broadly, and we obviously we welcome any, anybody who wants to be a customer of England Spot, but I would encourage everyone to, to look broadly at, 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 at a range of different
0: things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy, and I hope to see you and speak to you soon yeah thanks Mary thank, thank you, you very much. okay bye, bye bye andy bromley an a source of information and a fountain of knowledge Wonderful, so I hope that he has inspired you to write that story. Um, you know dreams are there for the taking. Thank you very much to everybody who has joined us today and um I want to wish you luck and hope in pursuing those deep, deep dreams that, you know, you think you can't achieve, but you know what? You can. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you in the next show. Take care, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk